Hey y'all, long time no podcast or blog post. As you've probably noticed, I haven't posted any new activist versus agriculture content in the past few weeks. I took a small break so I could focus on an even bigger project, which will be announced soon, and put a few things that I wanted to do for AVA into motion. Anyway, I'm back, I missed y'all, and I'm excited for you to hear and see what's coming down the pipe for AVA. Before we begin, I would like to thank our sponsor, Woodland Ag Quality Red Angus. Woodland Ag is located on the southern side of the Red River and is home to commercial cattle and registered cattle as well. For more information about Woodland Ag's Quality Red Angus Genetics or Just a Talk Shop, call 903-249-2515. Woodland Ag. Raise them right, raise them red. So, let's talk about you talking to the guy about the ribeye roll. Okay, so I'd gone to Tyler. I just Googled Sam's, and I found out they had their ribeye, ribeye rolls, you know, like what you make a prime rib out of, a rib, rib roast for $8.88 a pound for choice. But they also had prime on sale for nine. That's my dad, John Provines. He's been involved in the beef industry his entire life. And in these clips, he's talking about a run-in he had with a consumer at a grocery store. So, anyway, I go to Sam's. There's all kinds of people there. It's very busy and lots of people in the meat market. So I go strolling down through there looking for this rib, rib roast, and there's one left in the, in the case. So I snatch it up. And I, as I snatch it up, this guy's watching me. He's going down through there. And he said, boy, you got a hold of that, didn't you? And I didn't even know if it was a prime or if it was a choice one. I said, yeah, that's a good deal on that right there. And he said, well, what do you, what do you got there? Of course, he had some other meat in his counter. You know, he had some chicken and some pork and some flank steak and stuff in his deal. I said, well, this is what they cut a ribeye out of. It's the, the rib roll. It's the whole... The whole, I said, if you ever kill the deer, it's like the back strap, of, of, but it's of a, a deer. And he said, oh, okay. And uh, he said, how do you cook it? I said, well, if you go get prime rib, they cook the whole thing prime, and then they cut it. You can accomplish quite a bit in five minutes or less. You can fry an egg, brush your teeth, schedule an appointment. Maybe you can run a mile in that time frame. Heck, you can even change someone's outlook on the agricultural industry in that short amount of time. I know I say this just about every other week, but truly it takes less than five minutes of your day or even your week <laughs> to advocate for agriculture. And my dad, as well as some other producers, proved this statement. Today, you'll hear about these producers and the importance they've placed on agricultural communication, as well as the actions they've taken to get the truth about the food we eat out to the general public. From the Activist versus Agriculture audio archives, I'm M. Provines, and this is All It Takes is a Few Minutes. At the beginning of August, my family ran out of steak, which basically means my dad hit the panic button. He was in Tyler, Texas, visiting a church member in the hospital and stopped at Sam's Club on the way home. While at Sam's, he found an entire ribeye roll for a decent price. So naturally, Dad put the giant cut of beef in his buggy and went on his merry way. As he walked down one of the aisles, he said a man saw his buggy, chuckled, and then asked him what the heck that giant slab of meat was. 
Dowd explained that this was a rib roast and that he would get about 14 ribeye steaks out of this specific cut of beef. And he went on to explain the difference between select, choice, and prime and answered a few of the guy's questions. He also explained marbling and even told the guy he prefers beef that's not lean because lean beef has less flavor. Well, in the meantime, the guy behind, a young guy behind the meat counter heard me and he said, hey, I think we've got some more prime ones. He said, they're down there on that end cap. We put all of our prime beef down there on that end, you know, end cap down there. So I go down there. And this guy says to me, he says, well, if you're not going to take that one, can I have it? I said, well, let me go make sure there's a prime one over here. So I go over there, and sure enough, there was two prime ones. So I get both of them and put them in my cart, and then I came back. And this guy said, I said, so here you got, you got choice or you got prime, either one. And uh, this one's 933 a pound, this one's 888 a pound. And I said, I'm only going to take this one prime one, so you can have your choice between these two. He said, okay, well, tell me what's the, what do you mean the difference between prime and choice? I mean, they both sound good. I said, well, they do both sound good, and that's by design. You know, they used to call a, the grades used to be good, choice, and prime. But even now, they, they don't have good anymore. They call it select. So you got select, or you got choice, or you got prime. They all sound good, don't they? He said, yeah, they all sound good. I said, but there's a big difference between select and choice, and then there's a big difference between choice and prime. And I said to him, you know, here's here's how how they determine what it is is the the amount of inner marbling, the marbling that's in there, the intermuscular fat. And so I was showing him the flex of fat in the prime, and I was showing him the flex of fat in the choice. And I said, now if we had a select one here, it would pretty much show there might be some fat on the outside, but there wouldn't hardly be any any fat on the inside of the you know of the muscle. And that's where your flavor comes from, is if you have mat, that inner, inner, uh, inner muscular fat. That's where it makes it juicy and tender. And, you know, the more fat you have inside the muscle, the better it's going to be. He said, you don't want lean beef. I said, no, you don't. Depends on what you want. But if you want it to taste good, if you want it to have that nice, rich flavor, that nice, tender, rich flavor, you want the more fat inside that muscle that you can get, the better it is, and that's always going to be prime. If you can buy prime beef for this kind of price, if you like a good steak, you're best off to buy the prime beef. He said, all right. He said, so he took the choice one and put it back, and he took the prime one and he put it in his cart, and uh, and then his wife comes walking up about that time, and she said, what in the world have you got here? And she, so he had to tell her the whole story you know that i had said he said i've sat right here and this brother has taught me more about meat in five minutes than i have known i've been buying beef my whole life and i had no clue uh about all of this stuff that this guy just told me so he said from now on we're buying prime or choice and we are not buying any more select i said well that's that's smart on your part right there so so that's pretty much the story his wife oh. wasn't happy yeah, his wife was not happy because it was $129 worth of ribeyes that he bought. But, you know, he got he got 16 uh, one-inch thick ribeyes, and uh, they, they, looked, they looked delicious. So, Another example of a producer understanding the importance of effectively communicating agriculture to the public and attempting to, quote, do better on this front is Jojo Corrales. He's the vice president and head of all live cattle operations at Heartbrand Beef, which is an Akushi cattle operation down in Texas. 
I interviewed JoJo for an article with Progressive Cattlemen, which, shameless plug, (laughs) is now live on their website, and you should definitely go read it. But our conversation about the day-to-day operations and Heartbrand got a little derailed when he hit my passion vein and started talking about communicating agriculture to consumers, specifically the importance of transparency from the ag industry. We all, as cattle producers, need to realize that we are beef producers and we need to give our end customer a better product to have more longevity in the industry. I think the challenges that we're facing now, and you can see some of this in NCBA and and, in our, uh, even in our, our division within beef producers, is that our beef customer, you know, now is asking a lot of questions, and they're looking for other alternative proteins um, because we did a poor job as cattlemen and beef producers of showing them how much we care about what we do and how much passion we have about giving them a good product, a good, safe, wholesome product. I think the very vast, vast majority of cattle producers uh, do a great job, and we just didn't do a good job of, of marketing what we do. Um, and, and so the other side of the media um, gave them their side uh, way before we defended ourselves, and now we're on the defense trying to show what we do. But if if we'd have done a better job of getting these articles out in the mainstream and doing the interviews of of what we do every day, I think we would have uh, a lot better perception of our beef customer knowing how much effort we go through to get them uh, something that they they love and and that, you know, is safe for them and very healthy for them. We need to do more interviews and and get them, you know, get them in the right spots. and, And we would be happy to help you any way we can. Uh, getting some of these um, informationals to, to the right channels. Because, I mean, you're right, that the, the customer in L.A. Um, buying beef, you know, outweighs, just take the L.A. market, probably outweighs, you know, Montana, you know, and Utah, Nevada combined, just that, that one city, and they are not going to, be picking up Beef Magazine or the Cattlemen or Progressive Cattlemen and reading articles on how good we are at what we do, but yeah. where, where do they get their information from? And I think there's there's two main reasons why that customer, that Trader Joe's or you know, whatever butcher shop, why they're making those decisions is I do think they are further removed from agriculture than even one generation back, whether their grandpa, you know, or had a great uncle that was even in the the citrus business or in the farming business or or whatever sector, you know, it just seems like when you're in agriculture firsthand, you have a better perception of of all of it. Uh, Yeah, because I have, example, one of my friend's wives, which they now live in the Northeast, you know, she was telling me that she was buying some non-GMO, you know, fruit or, or whatever. She was telling me a product. And I'm like, man, no option for that 
species. Like, so the, the yeah. same thing you said about, well, this grocery store only sells non-hormone treated chickens. Well, no shit. They're, you know, it's been against the law since the 70s to give hormones to chickens. Uh, and so that premise is false. That's bad advertising, bad marketing for every other chicken that's produced. You know, that that gets us into trouble when we start turning on ourselves in the beef industry and and when Heartbrand starts bashing Angus or when, you know, any of those breeds start bashing each other in terms of the beef stuff, I mean, that, that's, that's just no good. And I, I, I try to choose my words very carefully of, of what factually we do better. And, and I, I mean, at the very inception, we are agriculturalists, we're beef producers and, and we need to do a better job, whole, you know, explaining what we do to, for the whole industry. Jojo then talked about how Heartbrand advocates for the beef industry. He said they host busloads of inner-city kids from all over Texas and teach them about the ag industry, specifically the beef sector. Have picnics and hayrides, uh, serve them beef, answer a million of their questions, um, and we get them on the ground in our ranch, which is only an hour from Austin, uh, and we show them what we do. We have groups from Dallas, from Houston, San Antonio and Austin, and they'll bring their entire uh, departments uh, and and come show you know show what what we do, and you wouldn't believe the type of person that we prejudge that are serving us you know our uh, taco at Taco Deli or Hot Dotties in Austin, which is some of the trendiest inner city metro type eateries when you get those guys that that have a bad connotation towards beef producers and you get them out there and just show them how we raise cattle and how most people raise cattle they become the biggest advocate because they're the ones talking to the customer in front of them and the customer asking them what should i buy mm-hmm. you know do you know if these cattle were happy you know do you know how they were raised and you know that young lady which maybe had never been on a ranch uh, and asked me you know, the questions of where they sleep and how often we wash them and how many antibiotics they get and how many hormones they get and, and when they really understand that you show them, you, you hand them a bottle of Draxin that's worth a thousand dollars you say we do not want to give this to animals you know we do not, we, we keep them healthy so we don't have to get them antibiotics and when they have an infection we treat them uh, because we're humane. Uh, right. And, and we do not, heart brain does not implant our cattle with any hormones, but the science shows that they're not deadly. I mean, that's not why we don't do it. We, we do it because we want more tender beef and, and we want fattier beef and not leaner. So, I mean, that's why we do it. But um, heart brain, I think, has gained traction, very grassroots based of getting people in a bus, bringing them out to the ranch, feeding them a hamburger, and letting them look at cattle. Uh, and it's, it's been a piece of our marketing uh, that, is, that is, is in your face as it gets, and it is extremely accurate and, and extremely valuable. Producers want to communicate, and they know it's important, so they'll help us ag communicators and marketers when they get the chance. 
how can they help us out? You know, I've preached this time and time again that you can talk to a consumer at a grocery store like my dad. You can participate in an interview for a story like JoJo. You can make flyers, share a social media post, pass along info to your grandkids, XYZ. I mean, looking back at this column slash blog slash podcast, how many times have you all heard me go on a giant rant about what you specifically can do to advocate for the ag industry? And how many times have I written, what's stopping you from XYZ? Well, now I want to talk about a producer who is doing XYZ. In August 2020, I traveled North Dakota, South Dakota, and Montana interviewing producers for the Western Ag Reporters Herd Reference Edition, which, another shameless plug, this is all live and our whole entire team worked really hard on it, so go check it out. It's got some great stories and some beautifully designed ads. Go to www.westernagreporter.com to read this. Anyways, one of my stops was at Beggar's Diamond V Ranch in eastern Montana. While visiting with Bill and John Beggar, Bill brought up that Beggar's Diamond V has participated in the Farm to School program. Per the Montana State University website, Farm to School enriches the connection communities have with fresh, healthy food and local food producers by changing food, purchasing, and education practices at schools and preschools. Students gain access to healthy local foods as well as education opportunities such as school gardens, cooking lessons, and farm field trips. Farm to School empowers children and their families to make informed food choices while strengthening the local economy and contributing to vibrant communities. Farm to School implementation differs by location, but always includes one or more of the following core elements, procurement, education, and school gardens. I've heard of the Farm to School program before, but I hadn't actually talked to a rancher who actively participated in it, and Bill said it was incredibly rewarding. What we're doing is supply food that people can trust and enjoy and every one every mouthful they taste is as good as the last one you know make make it flavorful tasteful and tender we need to somehow get into the schools and probably the best way is if every farm and rancher take one call cow and donate to the school food program so these kids learn what food tastes like real meat tastes like when they're young so um, they can't rebuttal it, you know. As we all sit out here on a farm and or ranch and do our thing, sometimes we don't know how to educate the people, and, and we're finding a lot of the teachers maybe are trending towards the new vision and view. Not not all, you know, but I, I think it only takes one or two generations after they leave the farm to forget what a farm's about. But to me, to educate, I think it's gonna have to be some hands-on, have some field days, have some farmer city folk gatherings, you know, or you invite them out to the farm and spend a day on the farm, and then maybe in, in return, we'd go into town for a day and job shadow them or whatever, but but really, truthfully, I, I think we've got to do it at a young level and do it in the school and to make make the point across. I, th I think that we need to get locally homegrown Montana-raised beef in the Montana schools or if, if you're in another state, those states need to likewise get their homegrown 
food with their their state stamp on it and teach these kids that food is good beef is good um glutens you know the breads the weeds teach them that it comes on a farm comes off a farm and not just out of a grocery store that that's the biggest thing is people get into especially into the big cities they think everything just comes from a grocery store they have no idea what eggs about you know a lot of them are anti-egg because they hear stories about the rich farmer or whatever but they they really don't understand how much it takes to operate a operation you know such as a farm or a ranch and how how to best do it i struggle because sometimes we all don't have enough time to get it done where as businesses in town they they hire more people to promote and research where we're busy every day just kind of doing our chores at home and ranchers and farmers do need to get more involved We've hosted a few um, school classes to come to the farm, you know, school to the farm program classes, and I encourage it, and I enjoy it. We're big in 4-H, we're big in FFA, you know, and sponsors of that too, you know, but um, definitely we've got to hit the youth because it's too late once they get get growing up with, with their own perceptions, you know, Easiest time to make kids believe in it is when they're young. Educate them when they're young, and they'll probably stay a little true to it as they get older. The farm to school program is part of that XYZ I've been preaching. Say you donate some beef or produce to your local school. You could come visit the school the day your product is delivered and just spend five minutes talking about why you donated said product and how it will add nutritional value to the students' diets. Five minutes of your time could literally shape the minds of second graders for the rest of their lives. Or say you've got a slow day in December. Why not haul one of your calves up to the school and explain to students why you raise beef and why eating beef is important? For bonus points, you could even spend just 30 minutes beforehand making some flyers or handouts about the importance of your product and give it to those students to take home and keep forever. The Farm to School program is a big way farmers and ranchers can get involved in relaying the truth about agriculture to future consumers. But as I've said time and time again, there are numerous little things that you can do to help with this cause. All it takes is a fraction of your time to change someone's opinion about agriculture for the rest of their lives. So what are you waiting for? Now, back to the story with my dad. So, about how much of your day was consumed by talking to this guy about this? Five minutes. Yeah, no more than five minutes. And that completely changed that guy's outlook on meat for the rest of his life, huh? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, and he said, I can promise you, this guy said, I'm going to go home. We're going we're gonna to cook these tonight. I'm going to cook two tonight. And he said, we're supposed to have some people over this weekend, and I'm going to cook us all ribeyes. And I can promise you, he probably shared that information with this guy, you know, with his his group that I had given. And, they, and the ribeyes, I'm sure, were delicious if he knew how to cook at all. And uh, I told him, and he probably told six people that weekend, you know, about the deal. 
see, that's what that's what I'm trying to stress the importance of here that you can advocate for agriculture in the most simple way possible, and it may not seem like much to you, but to somebody else, it really will change their outlook on a lot of things for the rest of their lives. Right, right, and he's educated enough now that next time he goes to Walmart and he's going to buy a steak and he sees it says select, he's going to understand why it's cheap, and he's also going to understand why it's not near as good as the the ones he can go to Sam's and buy from the prime counter. There are 1,440 minutes in a day, meaning 0.3% of my dad's day was spent advocating for the ag industry when he talked to that guy in Sam's. There are about 10,080 minutes in a week, meaning 0.05% of my dad's week was spent advocating for the ag industry. Now I'm gonna brag on my dad a bit here, but he changed someone's opinion about agriculture for the rest of their lives. And that is incredibly important. He did this by welcoming conversation and answering questions in a civil and warm manner, not by making fun of the guy for his lack of knowledge on beef. So why can't we all do this? A small fraction of your time can shine a light on the ag industry and shape the perceptions of uninformed consumers. So share that Facebook post from Farm Bureau. Download that podcast from advocates such as The Farm Story and from Urban to Agriculture and welcome conversation at the grocery store. It's crazy to think that these small actions could actually make a difference, but they can and they will. Next week, we'll discuss a topic very near and dear to my heart, as well as pretty much every other ag communicator out there, ag literacy. By the time you'll hear this, I'll have had an interview with Hannah Thompson of the Animal Agriculture Alliance on this subject. And Delaney Wolf, my old college roommate and one of my nearest and dearest friends, I'm already going to dedicate next week's blog post and podcast to you. Again, I would like to thank our sponsor, Woodland Ag. From Activist versus Agriculture, I'm M. Provines. And whether you're eating a carnivorous diet or a plant-based diet, be sure to thank an agriculturalist, because they're the reason why your belly's full. <laughs>